Hey God, it's me. Isn't that pretty awesome? Well, obviously the last several weeks we've been talking about prayer. We're gearing up for the 21 days of prayer that starts the day, our long-awaited time. And thank God this one's the prayer and feasting and not the prayer and fasting more. But we're gearing up for that. And it's just kind of interesting to me how our services and the messages is I'm not like trying to lay out a master plan to have this all laid. It just happens. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about when my daughter got bit by a snake and she had a death sentence and she should have died. And I saw her dying right in my very hands and holding her in the emergency room. But then I saw God radically change her before they did anything. You heard that whole story. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it on our app, on the podcast. But it's all there. Then we heard about different other situations with prayer. And now we're here. Here we are as we start it, and I, I started thinking about it as I was preparing my message, and, and this thought came into me, and of course, there's a song that goes along with it, que sera, sera, right? Whatever will be, will be. And isn't that most people's opinion on things? Whatever's going to happen, it's meant to be. Whatever, I'm just going to go down the proverbial tube in the river, just floating along, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Whatever will be, will be. Have you ever said or thought, I can't take it anymore? I don't know how much more of this I can take. How about this one? I can't seem to catch a break. Like, ugh. I just don't know, but I guess this is just what I'm supposed to go through. I I guess I just have to endure through this. But can I take you to another perspective for a moment? I want you to imagine a military offensive. And we've had plenty of them throughout history. And when I was going through junior high school, my coach taught civil war to us. And he loved it. I think he probably had the whole thing enacted at his house. But uh, he was just, but he so owned it that he was just like, I couldn't wait to get there. And I was like enthralled. And I'm like drawing the little battle as he's talking. And it's just, it just came alive to me. But put yourself into that context. So you got this group over here, and they're coming to war against this one. And then you got the other one over here, and they're coming to war against the other one. And do they just sit back and go, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Whatever will be, will be. No, they have strategy and they have plans and they look at it and go, okay, well, they're moving over here, so we're going to move over here and we're going to put this battalion over here. We're going to do that over there. It's like, okay, well, they're moving here, but we're going to, so we're going to have to go. You see what I'm saying? The strategy going on in everything they do. I bet it looked impossible to them many times. Some of the stories I've heard, some of the recounts I've heard. I bet they even thought many times, I don't know if I can take this anymore. I I don't know how much more of this I can take. We can't even catch a break. Here we're trying to do this over here. They, they, They found out where we're going, and now we have satellites, and we have all these images. We can see trucks moving on the road. We knew what everything's going on. But a good military leader would sit there and look at all the different strategies and how they're moving this, and the troops are getting... Kind of like we feel sometimes. Or maybe it's just me. But a good leader will look at them and say, hey guys, we can do this. We're going to take that hill. We're not going to worry about every other hill after that, but we're going to take that hill. So he'll rally them up. He'll get them all set up so they can sit there and they can turn their focus and they can dig deep and find that energy inside of them to continue on. Our leader, of course, is Jesus. But can I tell you, you can do it. 
You can look at the struggles that are going on in your life and the things that are coming against you, and it may seem like it's coming at you from every direction, from the top, from the bottom, from every side, and you're like, ah, can I tell you, you can do it. Can I also suggest to you that prayer changes things? But not only does prayer change things, and that's been our hashtag that we put up there all the time, so if you're doing any social media, I ask you to kind of tag that on there, hashtag prayer changes things. But can I suggest to you that the very outcome of your life is swayed by prayer? I hadn't thought about this, but this thing kind of blew up in my mind. Have you ever thought about it, that you know someone that's wanting to have a baby, you know, they're married and they just got, their life is starting, so they're asking for prayer for conception. Then they're praying for the birth, you know, that everything goes well with the birth. So we just got that whole thing. We got birth going on there, and then the baby's born, and then we have a baby dedication. We talked about it. We have a baby dedication coming up in a few weeks. So then we pray to dedicate the baby, and then there's the terrible twos. Dear God, there's got to be prayer in the terrible twos. You've got to pray through that whole se- section of their life. And, and then, man, it's just got so much. Now they're going to school, and we've got to get the school clothes. We've got to get all the school supplies. And, oh, my gosh, we've got to get them early, and we've got to feed them, and then we've got to get them there. Oh, oh my gosh. And then now there's tests going on in school. Well, as long as you've heard me say, as long as there are tests in school, there will be prayer in school. Even though if the school doesn't recognize it, you're going to sit there, oh God, please help me get through this test. I promise I'll serve you forever. And then you forget about it. But then there's the teenage years and there's a rebellion and there's like, oh my gosh, I'm convinced that's where I lost my hair was the teenage years. And you just pull your hair out with them. It's like, oh God, please help me not to kill this child. And then you have the graduation. They finally get there and you pray for the graduates. We just prayed for our graduates just a few weeks ago. And then the next thing they go on, they go to college. And we're praying for the right college and praying that God will show them the right place to go. And then they graduate college. And then we're praying for the job because they got a college degree. Now what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? So now we're praying for a job. And then we're praying for the mate. Well, who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? So God, please show me the right person. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want them to divorce me. I don't want any of this to go on. God, please, please, I'm praying for the right mate. And then you're praying for our kids now. The whole process starts all over again. You ever thought about that? And then the last two, we're praying for our aging and wellness, that we want to live a healthy life the whole time, that the days we have here. And then lastly, we have to pray for the loved ones who transition to eternity. Have you ever noticed that prayer is the glue for our entire life? It's the thing that starts with the birth and conception all the way up to the transition into eternity. I want to suggest to you that two of the best prayers that we can pray, I'm sure there's many, but two I'm going to tell you about this morning is the prayer of surrender. The prayer to say, Jesus, today is my day that I'm going to choose to walk on that path with you. That I'm going to just jump in. I may not understand it, but I'm going to jump in. And there's the prayer for guidance and direction. Daniel in chapter 10 of Daniel, verse 1, we're going to read a story, and I'm going to kind of try and go through it quickly and paint the picture as it goes along. But Daniel's in this time, and I'm just going to jump right in. Verse 1, in the third year of the reign of King Sirius of Persia, Daniel had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned certain events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. Doesn't that sound like today? 
We have wars that are going on. We hear all these uh, ICBMs that are tested and how they can hit America now. And we got this. Well, what are we going to do with them? And how you know, there's, there's certain hardships if we go to war and, and all the different things. I mean, we might have slower internet. I mean, how could we ever live with slower internet? I mean, there's certain hardships that are facing us. And this is what Daniel's facing. He had a dream of this and he's troubled by it. Verse 2, when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All the time I'd eaten no rich food, no wine or, or no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until three weeks had passed. On April the 23rd, I love how specific the Bible is. On April the 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, and I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Can you imagine? He's out there by the river, maybe doing some clothes, doing some laundry, or maybe taking a bath or whatever, and all of a sudden, this magnificent angel of God shows up and it's just like, Woof. Verse 7, only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So Daniel's sitting there, they're just kind of doing this thing, and all of a sudden this guy shows up, and Daniel's the only one who can see it. But they feel it, the, the spidey sense is like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm getting out of here. And they're all left, and Daniel's sitting there, and he's the only one who can see it. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. I'm going to tell you, if an angel shows up in front of you, whether it's in your room or out in the middle of the riverside, it's going to be like, <laughs> Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted, and I lay there with my face on the ground. He's sucking dirt. He's like, ah! Just then... A hand touched me and lifted me up, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. And I highlighted that because you know what? The Bible is not only to tell the story of Daniel, but this is also for me. This is also for you. God would tell you today that you are very precious to God. So just pause in the whole story of where he's at. The first words out of that messenger is, this is the message from God. You are very precious to God. I want you to really get that. So listen carefully to what I say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Then he said, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to, began to pray for understanding, to humble yourself before your God. Your request was heard in heaven. And I have come to answer your prayer. So the first day he started of the 21 days, see the correlation there? The first day of the 21 days, he started praying, God sent the answer. This angel, this messenger, this great person that's like making him fall to his knees was sent. He was dispatched to answer that. He goes on to say, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, a demonic force, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came down to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the king of Persia. And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a yet a time yet to come. So he's like, I'm up there and I'm coming just to answer your prayer. And all of this struggles, all of this warfare, this military offensive that we can't see, 
is going on in the spirit realm, and it's all just up there going back and forth. And we're fighting, we're trying to get to you, and they're trying to keep us from there, and everything we're trying, because I actually had to call in reinforcements from heaven. But I'm here for you because you're very precious to God. We see that Jesus, he prayed for strength as well. Jesus, of all people, could say, hey, I got this. I'm the son of God. I got this. And yet when he's facing the cross, he actually went to pray, and he's praying nonstop. He took a break to come back and check on the disciples, and they were sleeping and went back. We just read this again a few weeks ago, that whole story. He went back three times, constantly praying for the strength to go on to it. But can I suggest to you that we also need to pray for deliverance, the prayer of deliverance. So as we're going into the 21 days of prayer, what's it going to be like? Why do we need to do 21 days? Man, come on. I mean, I don't like getting up at 6 o'clock. Be here at 6 o'clock? I don't want to do that. Man, it's a long drive. Even when we lived on the church property, I just had to walk up the sidewalk to get there. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to open the door so I can't be late. But oh my gosh, I didn't love, love it. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it at all. But why would we do this? Because God's going to do something. But even in those military offenses, they do psych ops, psychological warfare. They, they have all these different things. So they're trying to make you think it's different than what's going on. And that's what Daniel described in that portion is what is going on in the, in the heavens. For example, we just saw again recently, John 10, 10 B says, Jesus says, I've come to give you an abundant life. And the devil's right there in your psychological ops going, yeah, that's not for you. You can't have that. <laughs> That's for those other people. That's for those church people. Yeah, they live a better life than you. That's, that's not for you. You can't have that. No, 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 no. You can't believe for that at all. You need healing? No, 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 no. no that, that's not for you. That, no, no, you can't have that. And there's this warfare that goes on. If you'll open up your Bibles with me to Matthew 17. We're going to look at two different sides of a picture of what happened, a story. And have you ever played that game, um, telephone, where you get people in a circle, and you start telling someone, and then they tell the next person, and then tell the next person, and the next person, and you have it written down in the beginning. And it gets back, and you're just like, man, this is nowhere near what it was. Well, we kind of get different perspectives. They didn't, all get, they didn't start with the same one. But they all saw it from the same place, and they give us different things. You'll see the same account twice, and you'll see the different details in them. But here, Matthew 17, when they'd come to the crowd, a man came to Jesus, falling on his knees before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on me for my son, for he is a lunatic, and he is very ill, and he often falls into the fire and often into the water. He comes to Jesus, and he goes, Jesus, I'm desperate for you to touch my son. My son has this illness and this terrible thing that he keeps trying to fall into the fire and into the water. And it's actually a suicidal spirit that's trying to take his very life from him. It says, I brought him to your disciples that they could not cure him. So pause. And in this context, Jesus had just sent out the disciples and the 70 and said, hey, everything that I've been teaching you, this is a practice run. This is what you're going to go do. You're going to do what you saw me do. And this is what my will is for the people. He says, go out and do this. So here they go out and they step out. And man, it's their first missions trip and they're out there. And all of a sudden they bring this kid. This, he's foaming at the mouth. He's freaking out. And they're like, this was not in the manual. 
What are we supposed to do with that? And they try, but it didn't work. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And the dad's frustrated. He brings him to Jesus. And says, I brought him to your disciples. Brought him to you. Brought him to your disciples. And they can't do anything with him. Jesus answers kind of puzzling a little bit at verse 17. And Jesus answered saying, you unbelieving and perverted generation. Now, what kind of an answer is that to this dad who's concerned about his kid? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. But can I suggest to you that Jesus isn't referring to the disciples. He's not even referring to the man But look at the word that shows it all, generation. He's talking about the mindset that's going on in that culture. And I want to suggest to you, it's the same for us today. It is perverted, not necessarily sexual perversion, though that is there. But it's that where God says, I can accomplish anything that it gets twisted to go, that's not for you. You can't have that. You're just going to live like this all of your life not believing. Jesus gets frustrated with the lack of faith and the lack of being able to believe that it's going to go on. Jesus says, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once. So the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, yo, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast him out? How come when we prayed for him, nothing happened? How come we're going, oh my gosh, what is happening here? And Jesus said, verse 20, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say this mountain, move and move, and nothing will be. Ha- oh, go on. The last part of that verse, or the next verse, I'm sorry, verse 21, says, But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jump over to Mark. He gives the same account of the thing, but he gives a lot more detail. It's interesting to see the two side by side. Verse 14, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some of the scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to him. And he said to them, Jesus, what are you discussing with them? So here the disciples are all out there, and they're coming back, and Jesus is coming back to check on them and see what's going on. He sees this crowd going on, the crowd starts coming, and he sees them all. The scribes are getting all upset with the disciples and everything, and he goes, hey, what's going on? Tell me what's going on here. One of the crowd answered him and said, teacher, I brought to you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, and he grinds his teeth, and he stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast him out, but they couldn't do it. Verse 19, and he, Jesus, answered to them and said, Oh, unbelieving generation. Again, he's pointing to the generation, to the cultural thought that's going on here. How long will I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought the boy to to Jesus. And when he, the boy, saw him, Jesus, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsion and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. So that devil's not even that smart. And when Jesus is in front of him, he makes the boy go start acting out again. And he's sitting there just rolling around, foaming at the mouth and stiff. And he's like, oh, he's having this fit. Now, what would we do there in that situation? We're like, oh my gosh, let me get down and help you. No, Jesus says um, to the father, so how long has this been going on? 
So they have a conversation when the kid's down there rolling around, go, getting all this still thing. The dad says, um, since, since childhood. Can you just, it, it, that's hilarious to me. You know, Jesus is not moved by the situation. The dad goes on to say, it's often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. He's talking to Jesus, and he said, if you can do anything, do you see that generational perversion? Even as he's standing there in front of Jesus, he knows who Jesus is. He knows what Jesus has done. Raised people from the dead. Eyes can see. Death can hear. People can talk. As he said, he goes, if you can do anything. And I love Jesus' response, verse 23. Jesus said to him, if you can? <laughs> like, are you serious, dude? Like, really? Do you know who I am? And he goes on to say, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the boy's father cried out, I love this scripture because I find myself here so often. I do believe, but help my unbelief. He's like, man, I'm giving it all I've got. Lord, I believe, but help that part of me that's still just not sure. That part of me that needs a little bit of help. Jesus, I'm reaching out to you. I'm giving you everything I've got, but help me where I'm short, where I'm falling short. When Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the clean spirit, the unclean spirit. And he, he goes on, and they thought the boy was dead. And the disciples again in verse 29 come to him and say, Hey, why could we not try this out? And Jesus said, This kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. What is he talking about this kind? Is it the demonic spirit making the kid run around? I want to suggest to you it's not. I want to suggest to you this morning that this kind is unbelief. It's that psychological warfare that goes on in your mind that says, that's not for you. It's that thing that says, you can't have this abundant life that they keep talking about at church, where you read in the chapters of, that's not for you. You can never have that. Healing isn't for you. That's not for today. Don't be ridiculous. That kind of unbelief cannot come out by anything but prayer. So you ask me why we're having 21 days of prayer? Because that unbelief that's in me, if I can be so bold to suggest to you, that unbelief that's in you, that part of me that's, that's swayed by my generation that says, that's not real, you can't have that, that generation that is around me only comes out by prayer. See, I want to suggest to you the what is not the determination. It's not the determining factor. So it's not the demonic spirit causing the boy to roll around and foam in the mouth and freak out. It's not someone needing healing. It's not someone even being dead. It's not the thing that's plaguing you. It is not that. Do you believe? Do you really, really believe what Jesus said that all things are possible. Will you bow your heads with me? Do you know that next year will look like this year?
unless we do something different. If you just keep doing what you've always done, as they say, you're going to keep getting what you've always got. We know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If you stick around here for any length of time, you're going to hear us say over and over again, give us 52 weeks. Give us a year. Plug in. Go to the growth track. Jump into a small group. Lead a small group. Get in the path. Come to 21 days of prayer. I'm begging you not so we can count heads and say, wow, look how successful we are. Not that we can pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, look how great we are. But because we have unbelief that's in our life. I have unbelief in my life that is from my society. It's from my generation. It only comes up by prayer. The only way that's going to change inside of me is by prayer. I also mentioned that the best prayer we can ever pray is the one of surrender. So wherever you find yourself, whether it's in this room with me right now, whether you're listening to the podcast, watching the video, the online stream, all the different ways that you could be listening to us. You might say, Pastor Kevin, I'm far from God. Maybe I've never even accepted him. I would question that my unbelief is been even to the point of whether or not I, I, I'm even a Christian. But today's my day. You might say, I once knew God and I once walked with Him, but man, if I'm truly honest with myself, I'm far from God. The best prayer I believe you can pray is the one of surrender to come back. So wherever you're at, listening to my voice, if that's you, I just want you to pray this simple prayer with me. God in heaven thank you for sending your son to die in my place to pay for my sins so I don't have to I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you Jesus please forgive me I surrender everything to you be the Lord of my life be number one And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, for all of us that have heard this message, and maybe we wondered sometimes why pray. Because whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Whatever's meant to be is going to happen. God, we see today the mental offensive that's going on against us. We see a military strategy of trying to come against the enemy. We see where the the demonic forces were fighting against Daniel's answer prayer. Lord, we see Jesus walking here and saying that's the unbelief. God, I'm challenged by this message. So excited to be here to deliver this. But God, I pray all of us are moved that we're willing to take the sacrifice, not for a religious obligation, but God, so that we can be convinced and sure that your words are true and that unbelief will be driven far from me, be driven far from us, that you touch 
me. You touch everyone who would call Church on the Rock Dallas their home. You touch this region. You touch Plano. You touch the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. You touch Texas. You touch the United States. You touch the world through us, God. Because we're crazy enough to believe your word and come and spend 21 days seeking your face and driving out unbelief. Father, I pray you help all of us as today's the first day of 21 days that we will plug into you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, if you'll take that connection card out really quick. I know I went over a few minutes. It's hard when we got communion and everything else and worship was so amazing, you guys. Thank you guys for all that. In the middle, of course, Michael's already talked to you about filling in your name and everything and we, we love to have everyone every week to fill out a card so we know what's going on with you. There's a place here in the middle to say my decision today. The baptism you mentioned is coming up. There's another place you can check it there if you want to be a part of that. And there's a place at the bottom that you can place for your prayer request. And they're going to put a picture up here of yesterday morning. We had prayer, and we'll have these out here starting to, in the morning as well. Um, you can see that we just lay out all the connection cards on this stage here. And we can just walk around and pray for those. This is so valuable for you to fill out your prayer request for us. We want to be able to stand with you. And tomorrow you will all be able to come through here and pick up the ones that aren't marked confidential. So if you want it to be confidential, mark it. It won't be out here. But other than that, it's going to be out here. That Somebody can walk up here and say, man, I pray for Bruce, God, for what his prayer request was. And I just ask you for this. Or, Lord, what Abby's praying for this over here. God, I just agree with her. Man, that's so powerful. That's what we do with these. And we keep holding on to them. We pray with them for a whole year with you. So if you got that finished, we're going to collect those up in just a second. I don't know if everyone got one of the prayer guides last week that we handed out as we're heading into the 21 days of prayer. We have some more left. If you didn't get one, Michael will be happy to hand one of those out to you. And of course, I'm still plugging these little things that we have, little flyers for, you know, you are made to belong that we can give to people. I went to Firehouse yesterday on my way here to the church and had a quick little sub on the way and I took one in with me and I left it sitting on the table when I left on purpose. Because I don't know who's going to come behind me, but I'm just believing. I'm just leaving that little seed there. Somebody go, oh, those are colors. What? Oh, huh. Oh, there's a little church here. Anyway, hopefully they didn't throw it out as soon as I walked out the door, but that's what I was hoping for. All right. I'm going to give you just a couple more seconds to finish filling all that out. And while we're, while we're finishing that up, I just want to circle back with what Michael's saying. We're not asking, we're not begging for people to be a part of this, but I know that some people want to know how to be a part of doing the sign on the front window. And I'm really excited to see it get out there and to see that actually on there and Someone may save 31 bucks. Man, I can take care of one of those doors. I, I can do that. Someone may also say, you know, the, the whole thing, knowing God, find freedom. Man, every time you say that, that just goes off of me. I, I want, when I see those letters out there, I'm the one who paid for those letters to be on that window. I can't do 128 today, but I'm going to take this home with me. And maybe in two weeks or three weeks, I can do it. Whatever it would be. Maybe you've got two or three people want to jump in together to do I don't care, and I'm not begging you. Our hands aren't sitting out, here, out to you. But I want you to be, this is your church. This is my church. This is your church. 
And it's amazing when you say, hey, that sign right there, I paid for that. Won't be too long, we'll be doing seats too. And then it'll be, you see that seat right there? I paid for that seat. That's my seat. You can come sit in and you can find Jesus. Sit in. I've been praying for that seat right there. All right, stand to your feet with me real quick. We're going to get out of here. Father, I pray for every connection card that's in here, for every prayer request that's in here. Lord, I pray for the tithes and the offerings that have come in that are in this bucket, Lord, the ones that have come in online this week. Lord, I speak a blessing over your people. And Lord, I pray for them that they hear your voice. Lord, they know you, that they find freedom. They discover their purpose. And Lord, they make a difference. Father God, I just thank you for everything you're doing here. Speak a blessing over them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.